This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to a very special episode of All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Bryant McFadden. Yo, normally we're in your feeds every Tuesday, but this week we have a bonus episode for you guys as we continue to deliver on our promise that all things will be covered on this podcast. Pat and I caught up with Joy Taylor from FS1 to discuss her career as a black woman in sports media. Joy was incredibly honest about the ups and downs of the industry and some of the adversity she has to face due to her gender and the color of her skin. Man, we think this is a conversation that needs to be had. So enjoy and join us again Tuesday for our next full episode of All Things Covered. Yo, what's up? Welcome back. All Things Covered, Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden. Now we're joined by an outstanding guest, co-host of The Herd on FS1, host of the podcast, Maybe I'm Crazy, with Joy Taylor. Twitter name, at Joy Taylor Talks. Guys, listeners, you heard her name already. Miss Joy Taylor is joining us here, All Things Covered. Appreciate you, Miss Joy, for joining us. But before we jump right into the nitty-gritty, I got a bone to pick with you. Oh. You're from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pat, I feel Uh-oh. some type of way. Uh-oh. She's she from Pittsburgh, yo. <laughs> and I understand she got family ties to the Miami Dolphins and that dad and you know with a brother, Jason Taylor and all that. But there's she a dirty the, rumor floating around. She won the Pittsburgh fan. Huh? But the Steelers, they're her second favorite team. Oh and Miami, that's number man. one. Is, Joy, please, please confirm that's a dirty rumor. That's not true. <laughs> So I'm coming to the source. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, assume. So I'm coming to the source. Is that a legit fact? The Steelers are your second favorite team. Well, I think you'll be heartbroken, Matt. It's, uh, it is true. It's true. But I have, I have like a, a really good justification for this. So Dan Marino is a pit guy. Uh-huh. And I was always a Dan Marino fan. So if you okay. go, Penn State, generally you're like a pit person or a Penn State person. I was a pit person. Mm-hmm. So I love Dan Marino. Obviously, he was with the Dolphins forever. So I really liked the Dolphins before my brother got there. But I am flowing too till I die. So I love the Steelers. They just, you know, I've spent so much emotional time with the Dolphins. And, you know, I worked <laughs> a year there. I went to school in Miami. So Miami is like 1A, my like 1A home. Like Pittsburgh's where I was born and raised. And I'll always support the Steelers. But also, I kind of have a hack. So I'll start the season like – hardcore into the Dolphins and like Steelers are, are like a second team. And then inevitably like halfway through the season, Dolphins will be out of playoff race. And then Steelers affiliation playoffs. So um, that's now it might not happen that way this year because the AFC East is very different than it right. is for the last 20 years. So I might not have to do that anymore. And the Steelers are obviously amazing last undefeated team in the league, but yeah, yeah. That's what I do. Listen, I, you know, I earned my, my Yenzer status. I'm a Pittsburgh uh-huh. through I was born and raised there. All but, right. uh, but yes, it is true. It's a dirty rumor. It's not, it's not a rumor. It's true. 
It's true. Oh man. Oh man. So, so Joy, what made you love sports? Well, I grew up playing sports, obviously like, you know, my brother's been playing football since I was like four years old and growing up in Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. really growing up in Pittsburgh, I think was played a big part in it because I grew up around women that were big sports fans. My aunts and Mm -hmm. my grandmother were big sports fans. You know, they sit around all day, like the golden girls. And when the game came on, they started yelling about, you know, put the game on, whether it's the Pirates or the Penguins and obviously the Steelers. My Aunt Nam was a crazy Steelers fan. And mm-hmm. so it was always normal to me to, to like watch sports. And I played sports also. I ran tracks since like fifth or sixth grade, basketball too, and played volleyball and soccer in high school. So um, I've just always been around sports. I've always liked sports. I have brothers, as you know, so very competitive. Yeah, it's just always been a part of my life. So this wasn't really like a thing that happens that got me into it. It was just always a part of, of who I was. So. so so, do you think sports help you grow confidence or help you in the position that you're in right now in, uh, in life? Playing sports? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I went to Woodland Hills High School in, in Pittsburgh. If Woodland you- Hills? You said Woodland Hills? It's Woody High, but if well, you... Yeah. No Pittsburgh, you know, I gotta say the whole name. Uh, (laughs) and yeah, I mean, you get, you get a little tough playing sports. You know, we used to have bench clearing fights on the soccer team. We weren't good. So that's, you get a little callous. You learn how to, you know, talk a little trash. You -hmm. learn how to lose, which I think is an important thing in life that it's okay to lose. You know, I think that's that's something that a lot of people don't learn how to do. And then that permeates over into a lot of decisions that they make because it's OK right. to learn from mistakes and grow. So I think, you you know, that playing sports definitely taught me how to do that as well and, and how to have a routine and discipline and, you know, what doing something habitually every day will lead you to, which is results. Mm-hmm. So sports has always been, I think, a great a great space for kids to learn about life, mm-hmm. about teamwork, how not to be selfish, how to be selfish, right. when to be selfish. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I think it's, I think it's, and I ran track in college too. So that's always. What events you ran? Four, 400, four by four, four by one, uh, 100. I hated Ooh. the 200. Hated the 200. <laughs> that 400 was a grown, that 400 is a grown man. Oh. No yeah, so people, like, that, people that run the 200 well are like, yeah, I can't, I was, <laughs> like, I can't, I can't. That I monkey going in your back, huh, Joy? Yeah, every time. <laughs> so I didn't like the 200, but, but yeah, so being recruited, um, for school, mm-hmm. for soccer and track. So I know like what the recruiting process is like and what's it like to be mm-hmm. a college athlete. And, and all that's really helped me in my career as well, because I can speak to, it's really hard to be a college athlete. Like I, I quit, I couldn't do it. I could not last all four years with track. Also, you know, I wasn't that good. So I wasn't going to go to the Olympics and (laughs) didn't have any aspirations of like being a trainer or anything. And I just lost the, the, the desire to compete. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, it just, it wasn't for me anymore, but I do have that experience. So you know, talking about college sports, I know firsthand how hard it is to go to class and go to practice. And then you have weight room hours and then you have study hours. And I was in school a while ago. So, you know, that was back when, <laughs> you know, you got like some extra dollars on your little card. And other than right. that, 
cafeteria during certain hours. You know, we're sneaking mm-hmm. in Tupperware, like bringing food back to the dorm. Oh, and- y'all was stealing food. <laughs> stealing? If you could eat, you could eat all that you could eat at the cafeteria. Why can't you just take it you home? T- yeah, yeah I can't just take it home. Now. I need to eat yeah, it later. Take home. That sounds like right. some improper <laughs> benefits, Pat. That's what that sounds like. <laughs> Improper benefits, but we gonna keep that on the hush though. We gonna keep that on the hush. We won't get nobody in trouble. I took food home. We won't get nobody in trouble. But Joy, describe, talk about the work that went into you know for you going from hosting a radio show at Barry University uh, to moderating Undisputed. I mean, talk about the trials and tribulations it took for you to get to the point to the current your current point and where you are in your career right now. Well, I think I've been pretty lucky because I knew pretty much by my junior year of of college, exactly what I wanted to do in the business, which was be an opinionist. Like I wanted to work on a studio show and give my opinion. And that's a really like specific thing. So I was able to make decisions as far as like where my internships were and, you know, who I connected with to help me get to this point. And I still had some ups and downs, obviously, but you know, when people are getting in the business, I, I always, that's always the first question I ask. Like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do sidelines? Do you want to do college football sidelines? Do you want to cover the NBA? Do you want to be Skip Bayless? Do you want to be Colin Cowherd? Like, do you want to be Stephen A. Smith? Like, what, who, is there somebody in the business that like, that's a job you want? Or does that job not exist? But do you know what you want to do? Cause it really helps your path. So when I got to Barry, I got one of my first classes. Someone from the radio station came in and started talking to us. It was like a early media class. And they're like, well, you know, we need radio hosts for the student station. And I was kind of confused. I'm like, why isn't everybody on the radio station? Like, this is, this is what we're all trying to do. So I went and signed up and, you know, you learn how to do everything, run the board, check the levels, record. At that point, you know, this was like 2007. So, you know, we're like uploading streaming on like an actual computer, not even a laptop. It was just a different world. But I started interning at 560 WQAM on the Joe Rose morning show while I was still in school. So I was doing class, the internship, six o'clock in the morning, um, then working also and doing my radio show. So I essentially did that or some version of that with multiple jobs, depending on what, you know, what was going on at the time while I was in school, which is, you know, what you should do. But it was really helpful because after my first internship at the sports radio station, I did an internship at a music radio station, Power 96 with DJ Laz. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a, a completely different experience altogether. But I learned how to produce, which I think if you know how to produce, you can really you have a great base to do anything in the business because you know how to put together a show. You know how to book guests, you, right. know how to, you know, do a rundown. And I learned how to do all of that in my internships. And then it was time to graduate mm-hmm. and I had a job lined up doing essentially what I was doing for free. Cause back then you worked for free. Now, you know, you do an internship, they pay you, which is nice. Not complaining. It's totally fine. I was happy to do it, <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to get paid to do what I was essentially already doing. And at the time, mm-hmm. Uh, Clear Channel, um, well, which is now iHeartMedia, but Clear Channel is the major player in the in the radio business, and they had a big cut and fired like half their staff, and it froze the whole industry. So everyone, mm. you know, I worked for a smaller radio company. I was interning for a smaller radio company, so they had a hiring freeze, and most of the stations 
around the country at a hiring freeze. So right when I'm graduating from college, the job I have lined up is no longer available to me because I wasn't already working mm. there. So they had to promote someone who was already getting paid to be there. So it kind of threw me through a loop and um, had like one of those, you know, after college years where kind of bounced around and freelance stuff and, you know, trying to find my way. And then I eventually came back to Miami and started freelancing, covering youth sports in Miami, like literally interviewing five-year-olds after they finished running a track race. <laughs> <laughs> I bet those are some wild interviews. Yeah. Right. They were wild. Like, so like, how do you about the race? <laughs> right. I don't get you ready for an interview though. Can't have a bad interview after that. No um, doubt about it. I eventually got back at QAM um, part-time producing. And that was my first like, paying job in the industry on Sid Rosenberg's show at QAM. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a crazy journey. I, I, I produced there for a while and then I got the job as an executive producer at 790 ticket on Hawkman and Zaslow. Hawkman left and that's when Zaslow and I started our show, which we did for a few years before I went to FS1. But yeah, Miami was really, is really where I feel like I like became a woman. Like I grew up in Pittsburgh, but I really became like an adult in Miami and you know that's where I started my career so I have a lot of love for that city and everyone there but it's you know it's an interesting business you really have to separate yourself from making money for a long time because you're not gonna make any money I mean my first job was like eight dollars an hour before taxes Mm. I mean you can't live in Miami no (laughs) doubt about it too fast so I was still working other (laughs) um you know like bartending and waitressing but I was happy to do that that job making eight dollars an hour because I knew it was something that was going to be on my resume. I'm pay off next yeah. job, so it's a hustle, but um, it's fun. And if you know, if you love what you do, it's so cliche, but I don't feel like I work. I don't. Amen to that. This is what I want to do every day, so yeah. it's not it's not work to me. So that's the first not- sign that you love what you're doing when it doesn't feel like work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. No doubt about it. And so. Joy, you talked about, you know, your, your, your journey and some of the people that you had to, uh, to work, had the opportunity to work with. You had the opportunity to work with one of my favorite guys to watch on TV and that's Shannon. <laughs> Tell us a little bit. What do you think Shannon role is in the sports culture right now? Cause Sh- Shannon's hot right now. Shannon's been hot. Shannon is, Shannon's someone I really admire in the industry. I had, I met Shannon when we were, putting together undisputed. So I didn't know him before uh, I came to LA. He's, he's like a tremendous person and a really hard worker. Him and Skipper are, are very similar. They're very, very regimented, like routine people. And from right. working on that show with them, I've become a really routine person. Like I like to get up at the same time every day. I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. Like I try to park in the same parking spot. It's very Steve Jobish, like eliminate all other distractions, like in decisions. So you can focus all your energy on the things that require you to be creative. And, um, sorry, my neighbors are doing a lot. Cause I would, if you hear that. That's okay. <laughs> but Shannon is, Shannon's really embraced not just, I think, his role in Undisputed, but I think he understands the power that his voice has. And yeah. our show really became one of the the centers for some really important conversations because the height of, you know, the Kaepernick conversation was happening when we yeah. first launched the show. So we were talking about mm-hmm. that every day. And 
it's kind of interesting now. I mean, that was a, that was almost four, let's say like four years ago. Four I guess. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how the conversation has evolved around just Kaepernick alone and kneeling and protesting. And it's just, it's crazy to think where we were then and how intense those conversations were. So now it's just, it's more commonplace. Every show is talking about it. Yeah. He's, he's completely embraced it and he's, he's tremendous. He's a huge energy, really fun, great person, amazing person to work with. I, I definitely, I definitely admire him as a talent. Like he's really, he's really made a point to grow and he cares about what he does every day. Like if people think that, that everyone just shows up and do like, Oh, we just show up and start talking. There's so much prep and so much work that goes into the, to those shows and they do it and they do. That's why this show is so good. Outside of Shannon, you've been able to work with other influential sports personalities, uh, Skip and Colin. Give us something, one special thing that you learned from each individual, Skip and Colin, since working with them. Skip, Skip is the most dedicated, all like he. Cowboy fan. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. That's a hard life for any cowboy fan right now. Mm hmm. But he is, he really lives and breathes and like encompasses sports in every single way. Like he, it's just his whole life. I have his wife's book right here. And she wrote a book, How to Keep Your Relationship Alive When You uh, Live with a Sports Obsessed Guy. It's called Balls. And it's all about, she's the cutest. It's all about how obsessed Skip is with his, with his job and with sports. It's like every, single day all day he's watching sports and talking about sports so I before I met him I really didn't know what kind of you know personality because this show, that show is so can be so divisive you know because it's a debate show so it really brings out the emotions in people but yeah he's a really dedicated person and he's a he's been him and his wife have been wonderful to me like I live out here by myself and I have like some family in Simi Valley which is like an hour and a half away. So we've had to work on Christmases and Thanksgivings and they've had me at their house and <clears throat> they're just great people. And he's been a great, great mentor for me. And Colin, Colin is, I've never seen anyone prep more for a show. Like he does a whole show before the show starts. Like our prep call is like two and a half hours long. Our show is three hours long. So he just immerses himself every morning in like every detail of what the show is going to be. He's so prepared. There's never a point where he's like, I don't know what we're talking about next or what do we do here? He's always just, he just is ready to go and just ready to talk all day long. When you do a three hour simulcast show, like that should be the skill you have. But it's really, it's really, really impressive. And he's such a chill person. Like he's, He's, he's such a good, like, family man, dad, like, caring person. And, um, he's, he's just been amazing to work with. I've been really lucky. I've worked with some really incredible people. With that being awesome. said, Joy, you know, clearly, like you said, you've been extremely lucky working with great people, but being a minority and being a woman in a male dominant, you know, profession, basically, uh, have you had to go through any adversities, you know, with, how the game is set up when it comes to the media world. Have you ever go through any adversities being a minority and being a woman? Oh yeah. I mean, I got some stories. <laughs> Fill us in. Fill us in. That's what we want to hear. I got to be calculated with stories I tell you. Um, let's, let's hear it. <laughs> but I mean, 
how how do I say this? It's a game, right? Like every industry kind of has a game you have to play. Yeah. And, you know, I'm the kind of person where I grew up in a, an abusive household. So I don't have a, I have this, uh, and it's almost kind of worked against me sometimes. I'm extremely independent. So mm-hmm. I can't rely on anybody else to take care of me or nothing. Like, so I have a, like a, a deep fear of, of failing. So I want to know everything. I want to know how the game works, like put me on, you know, but I listen. I, I really listen to advice from people that I know have my best intentions at heart. And that's something important to learn because I haven't, sometimes people don't have the best intentions for you. So yeah, I mean, I've been in all kinds of crazy experiences. Like I've had to deal with people not being okay with my hair, which was really wild. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, there's, there's not that many minority women that work in this business. So people think you can just copy and paste the same thing. Like, nope, I can't, no, I can't do that. You can't just put a blow dryer on my head like that. Can't do that. And, you know, to deal with something like that, which seems like superficial, but everything is put in place to help you do your job. Like we have a wardrobe department, so we don't have to worry about what we wear. We just go and, and work. We have a hair and makeup department so that they just, you know, we don't have to do our hair and makeup and then we just go work. So, it, it feels a little crazy when people have things in place to help them because they look a certain way or their hair is a certain way. And then when you ask for it to be different, it's like, oh, like you're being extra. Like, no, I'm not being extra. I'm just not the same. Yeah. Right. I require different you being you. Right. right. Um, and that's okay. Why is that a problem? So things like that, you know, being a woman, you're going to deal with a lot of Haters is not a really good word. It's a, it's a stereotype in the industry that you're not there because, uh, you're intelligent enough to be there or because you have a right to an opinion to be there or there's like, most people see me on TV. They're like, Oh, she just, you know, got that job because of what she looks like, which is mm-hmm. fine. Like, I don't, whatever. Fine. Right. That's what you want to think. That's fine with me. Like, I, I know what I had to do. I've been in the business since 2007. It's 2020. Right. It's a long time. Right. And it's not, it's not an easy path, but. It's, it's just knowing how to play the game. And I don't really know every way, every way around the game yet, but it's what I always tell young women is, you know, understand that you, you deserve to be there and you belong and you don't have to explain to anybody why you belong there. You're just going to have to be better. And as minorities, we know that, right? Like we know we can't mess up the same way that a white person can. I can't mess up the same way that a white woman can. There's just, and not even mess up. Like we just have to be better at everything all the time. Yeah. And you don't have any chances. Yes. You got one chance, you know? So, you know, that is, is exhausting. Yes. Is it fair? No, but in the end, you'll be a better person for it. And when you do get on, help other people get on. Mm-hmm. When you get the opportunity to hire someone, hire a black woman. When you get the opportunity to hire a producer and it's all men, hire the woman. You know, do things to help other people come along because it makes it easier for everybody else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And well, with that being said, talking to the little girls and I'm on my daughter. I know that she's five, but I believe if I continue to, to, to be on her on, on small things like, you know, giving her self confidence, uh, making sure that she's doing the little things as far as listening because now she's a big sister so far as making sure that she's listening because your baby sister is watching so give a little bit of insight of uh i guess well not not 
uh, insight, what would be your advice to the the little kids that's growing up that have that mindset of, because sometimes my, my baby girl will get into, oh, I can't do this. If you put your mind, if you set your mind, I tell this all the time, when you set your mind up to do, to, to, to something, that's what it's going to be. So if you tell your mind that you can't do it, at the end of the day, you're going to believe you can't do it. So just give a little insight on, on, on giving these, these little one, these little angels out there in the world some confidence. Well, heck, Pat, also some adults might need some advice as well, you know, especially oh, yeah. females True. that are, you know, looking to try to jump into the same career path that Joy is currently involved in. So we all can use some advice. So the best advice that I've ever gotten is, uh, after, I came back to Miami. I was trying to get back in the business. I had like, I don't know, maybe $200 in the bank or something and no job. And I was sleeping on my friend's couch. I had given her the couch like two years ago because she was in a bad spot. Um, so immensely, I wasn't in a good space. I was like kind of beefing with my family. It was just not a good time. And I'm complaining to a friend of mine who's very successful. And I'm just, you know, I'm just going on and on like how terrible everything is. And he was like, let me ask you something. What What's something you want for yourself in the next three years? It can be anything. It can be a car. It can be a man. It could be a job. What's just something that you, that you want in the next three years? And it's like a very specific question. So I was like, well, I want to be full-time on air, radio or TV in the next three years. He was like, great. How much of your energy are you putting into making that happen? Again, a very specific question. Energy, right? And I was like, I don't know, maybe 10%. I don't have a job. I don't have a place to live. I am like not in good terms with my family right now. Like there's a lot going on. That's not my priority. And he was like, well, then why are you surprised that it's not happening? If you put 10% energy into something, you think that's going to, it's going to happen for you. And I don't know if it's just because like I was at that point in my life or the way he said it, but it was like a light bulb went on. And I was like, of course, of course, if you want to get in shape, you got to put all your energy into getting in shape. You got to work out every day. You got to eat right. You got to drink water. You got to sleep on time. We all know. Right. We know there's no shortcut, right. Other than surgery, which you still got to work out after you have surgery (laughs) to getting in shape. Right. We all know this. We try to, to, you know, cheat around it. Where y'all don't, but the rest of us do. Mm-hmm. And there's no answer, right? It's just, you just have to do the work and you have to put all your energy into it. And the next day I put all my, I said, forget all the noise, like forget everything that's going on. I'm going to put all my energy into making that happen. A few days later, I had the job at the place I interned at the $8 an hour producing job, part-time producing job, but it was a start. And then everything after that started to fall in place. And now here I am, however many years later, in LA working on FS1, but I've never forgotten that when I need to get to the bottom of something, when I need some uh, motivation or I need to boost my confidence or I need to get something done or accomplished, a hundred percent of my energy has to go into it. Forget all the distractions, forget what everyone tells you you can't do. It's all energy. And it's not just time. It's not effort. Like energy is a very specific word. I know it's very philosophical and people will start tuning out when you say that, but it's just the truth. Everything in your life has to be focused on what you want. And if you don't do it, it's not going to happen. It's just as simple as that. There's no like secret sauce to life. You put the work in and then you get the results. Eventually, successful people are nothing more than just people that didn't quit. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, some people get a hand it down. That's fine. 
but they're not going to maintain it if they still don't try. Even if you have a trust fund and someone gives you a company, if you're not trying to run it right, it's going to fail. So that's, it's really, it's something that we all struggle with because we don't want it to be the answer, like hard work. Right. But it really is just that. You have to put all your energy into it. Don't listen to people telling you you can't do it. They're only telling you that because they can't do it. Yep. Right. Because nobody who's really successful that's really giving you advice is going to be like, listen, you can't do what I do. I've never heard anybody say that. Exactly. Like, no, I've never heard anyone say that. They're always like, if you work hard, it'll happen. And maybe sometimes it, it, it's not meant for you, and that's okay too. Yeah. Things things will come in and out of your life that you think you want. And if it leaves, it's like, let it go. Like life is a whole, is a whole journey. And I know I'm saying a lot here, but the bottom line is it comes down to just put your energy into whatever you want. So if you're a little girl mm-hmm. and you're five years old, whatever it is you want to do, you have to commit to that. I had a, a lot of chores and responsibilities when I was little and I hated all of them. But <laughs> now... <laughs> I make my bed every morning because my grandfather was in the army for 30 years and he wanted us to make our beds every morning. And I hate to make my bed because kids hate making their bed. But now I get to come right. home. My bed is nice and made. And like my house is put together. It's, 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 it's second nature now. Yes. And so that's all it is. I think it's, I think it's about what you want and putting your energy into what you want. And sometimes it's a little bit selfish, but you only get one go. So why not give it everything you have? The best of it. I love it. No question. That's super dope. Appreciate you for the advice, Ms. Joy. Now we're going to transition. We're going to hit you with rapid fire questions. We want your honest, unbiased answer. The first one I got for you, your favorite memory from your brother's Jason Taylor's career. Favorite memory from his career. I guess that's tough. Um, one. You got to give us one. He hates this one because it's really terrible, but Uh-oh. <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember the year it was. But it was so what year was it? I think it was 2008, whatever year that the Dolphins almost went, almost lost oh, everything. That was 08. 08. I'm a Dolphin fan, by the way, too. Oh, okay. But yeah. I do remember 08. that. They like, almost <laughs> lost every ball game in 08? Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah, man. You, it was like 1 to 16. Yep. Yeah. No, that was 07. That was 07. 07? I mean, the Dolphins, unfortunately, had a lot of bad seasons, so they I guess did. you guys would know that. Hey, man, stop it, man. But yeah, they've had some bad seasons. <laughs> this one, one in 15 in 07. Particularly yeah, bad. One in 15. 07. Yep. And my brother is not really good at losing, and he was miserable. And I mean, like, everyone around him was miserable because they're losing and like that's that's a miserable place to be in when you are about to lose every game of the season and particularly the Dolphins because they have the undefeated season so like that's not you don't want to be a part of the team that lost every game the season so it was the last game of the season and uh they're playing the Ravens and Cleo Lemon connects with Greg Camarillo and they win the game. And I like, you would have thought they won the Super Bowl. Like I was crying. <laughs> I was crying. I'm holding uh, his, his wife at the time. We're just crying. Like, <laughs> like I was never so happy uh, to win the game because I just saw, you know, it was so hard on him. Wow. To yeah. Be a, a part of that situation. And uh, I was just so glad that they didn't have to go down like that. So I'll, I will never forget that. Also, if I could add another small one. When he had to go to the Jets, Miami didn't give him another contract and he still wanted to play. So the Jets and Rex Ryan were bringing him up. 
and he had he had all the reporters, local reporters at the foundation offices to like make his announcement that he was leaving Miami for the Jets. And he wasn't really leaving. Like they didn't, there was no job there for him. Like the Dolphins didn't, didn't want him back. But he, he wanted to finish his career in Miami and, you know, Miami means so much to him and the Dolphins mean so much to him. And I mean, I was pissed, but you know, he's better than me. So he was just so upset and he was in the back of his offices and he, he was just crying, like just crying because he, he knew like how upset Dolphins fans were going to be. And like, he didn't want to disappoint anybody. And I was just like, bro, I mean, you know, I'm a little more mean than he is, but I was like, look, at the end of the day, <laughs> like this is your life and your career, you know, and they want you and they're going to get over it. Like you've been here for a long time. Your family is here. Like you've done a lot for the community. They'll forgive you. It's going to be all right. Like go to New York and crush it. But it was just a, it was a really vulnerable moment for him. And, uh, you know, he just, he really cared about, about the city and didn't want to let anybody down. So yeah, those are my two, like, Two favorite memories of his career. Better dancer, you or Jason? Jason, I'm not. Jason really... was on a dance. He was on Dance with the Stars. He almost won, but Chrissy Yamaguchi was on the show. It's kind of hard to, to beat somebody that dances on ice. Right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. On ice. That show's really crazy. I came out here twice to see him, and I could not believe like the pressure of having. People like you're literally dancing and like you're you're stopping your foot uh, like inches away from like the people who are sitting around the the dance floor. It was really crazy, but yeah, he's a he's a better dancer than me. I think a traditional dancer. I had never seen him dance in my life before that show, so I was not mm. particularly optimistic about how he was going to do. But he he oh. he went for it though. He did his thing. He did his thing. I'm like a club sitter. You oh, know, so you go in the club and just pull observer. You yeah, just have to like, watch. You know, people watch you. <laughs> what's your what's your what's your choice of drink if you drink joy tequila vodka drink, um lately it's been wine the liquor is okay. running out i'm getting old but if i do drink I liquor, it's uh it's tequila so tequila or wine i gotcha gotcha okay favorite spot to go out in pittsburgh and your favorite spot to go out in miami like uh actual like area of the city or like actual spot actual spot could be a restaurant could be a lounge you know anytime you're in those cities you gotta you want to hit this spot um pittsburgh pittsburgh savoy okay it's a good spot and shout out to chuck yeah shout out chuck although the last time (laughs) i was savoy i slipped and fell (laughs) Mm. how did that you know how much you can get for a slip and fall (laughs) <laughs> she, hey, Pat, she might have had a little bit too much of that devil's neck, though. How did that happen? Oh, maybe too much. 1942. Also, we were at the table. See, this is why I don't dance. We were mm-hmm. at the table. <laughs> People kept spilling drinks on the floor. You know, they're making drinks. It's all this, like, the floor is wet. So I'm standing there, you know, doing my little two-step, and it just, my feet went like this, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Bloopers. Bloopers. <laughs> What about what about Miami? Miami, I like eleven. Shout out to Rob. Mm-hmm. Nice. My, uh, nice, nice, nice. My there, yeah. Hi, Joy. This is my this is my, <laughs> <laughs> this is our last one for the show. Uh what do Joy have up in the next five years? Cool, the next five years. Um well I hope to have my own show um in the okay. next five years. And 
you know, I mean, my, my ultimate goal in the business really is to build something to give other people a platform. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to have my own show and, you know, hopefully have a, a long successful run at that. But, you know, I see the people and the way that the, this business is evolving, really, there's everyone needs content, right? Like we're just yeah. overwhelming everyone with content, but you know, I want to give people a platform and opportunities. So hopefully, you know, my career takes a, a path that will lead to being able to do that, you know, have my own network. That's my ultimate goal. But within the next five years, I'd like to have my own show. That's what I'm working for now. We can also, I'm doing Thursday night football now also for prime video. Okay. I'm calling games. Okay, that's awesome. With uh, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, so that's always been a goal of mine to to call games. When I first wanted to get in the business, I was like, I'm going to be the first woman to call Monday Night Football in the booth. Well, Joy, we want to thank you for joining All Things Are Covered, and we want to commend you for continue to to be a trendsetter for these uh for the women out in the world. Appreciate you, Joy. No question. Yeah, appreciate you for bringing salon talk to the show. Usually have barbershop talk, but you brought the salon with us. You know, oh, yeah. the background. And the hair is on point today. I hope nobody said anything about the hair over the last few years. Oh, no, it's on fleek. Hey, oh. Also, too, George, you, you are our first female guest. No question. Thank you. That's big. We're going to, Joe, when we get our shirts made, we're going to send you some shirts. Perfect. Yeah, okay. we got to send George shirts. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Ah, uh, anytime, no anytime, and and we always will have a Steeler jersey for you whenever the Dolphins decide to fall. <laughs> <laughs> you can always come back home. Think about the Steelers this year; they're looking great. Yeah, you can always come back <laughs> yes, home. They are. I appreciate you, Miss Joy. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever. Or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.